0: Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Well, here we are. It's week three of a series of of sermons, messages, entitled dreamer, and I'm excited today to share a message that will continue to build theme on theme. Here at Vivid, we like to preach in series. Uh, I think it helps us actually set aside in our mind uh, like like a, a file that has some organization to it where it's not just a whole bunch of good things from Scripture, but they they fit together and they piece together. In fact, in the Bible, there's this one reference that we ought to build like one brick upon another or one teaching or precept upon another. And so we do our best to try to say this will make sense based on last week, knowing full well that not everyone was here last week. And someone might be out of town next week, although we're going to try to be those people who show up 52 times this year. Amen? But, uh, but I just want to say if you miss a, a message at any time, uh, we do have a podcast. We also have church at home that happens continually online. Every single Sunday we have people who log in And they are doing church from their homes, some with their families, some individually. Some actually gather small groups of friends and family together and uh, make it their discipline every week to do church in that type of setting. For some, based on their level of comfort in the the, the times that we're living, and for others, just based on proximity and distance. And so I just want to let you know that's there as a resource for you. If there's ever a week where you're away, not feeling well, you can always log in online. Uh, If there's ever a week you miss, you can go listen to a podcast. But I will today, knowing even full well that some of you maybe missed last week. And if you did, you missed an incredible message from Pastor Kobe. Brought an awesome message in this Dreamer series. But, but I, I will just very briefly give you like some, some, some highlight points over these last few weeks so you don't feel lost today, okay? Now, we have been talking about a character in the Bible named Joseph. Joseph was referenced as a dreamer. Joseph was actually called a dreamer by his brothers, and it was a nickname that might have had a little bit less than positive connotations, okay? When they referred to him as a dreamer, it was with uh, attitude. It was with just a little bit of extra sauce when they were talking about him. It was like, oh, here comes the dreamer. Why? Because Joseph's dream uh, that he had very distinctly, with clarity, with, with, with uh, a vibrancy, was that he was going to be better than all his brothers, a great dream to have. Now, now, he was the 11th of what would be 12 brothers, and he woke up one morning, goes, guys, oh, it's amazing, I had this awesome dream. The Bible says he was about 17, so his voice was like kind of here and there, like morning voice. Guys, uh, guys, uh, I had a dream. All, he's talking to 10 older brothers right now. He goes, it was an amazing dream. Oh, guys, let me tell you, we were out in the fields, and we were all like gathering together some wheat. And then the the bunch of wheat that I gathered, actually, it it became prominent. And all the wheat that you guys gathered just came and bowed down to mine. It was awesome, guys. I'm telling you, I wish you had been there. And they're like, why are you telling us this? He's like, I don't know. Maybe it just means that I'm supposed to be better than you. I don't know. And then at another time, he had another dream. He's like, guys, remember that last dream I had? They're like, yeah, dreamer, we do. Well, this one was even awesomer in this dream. There there was 10 stars, and then like the sun and the moon, and they all came in and, and bowed down to me. He's like, like I was just there in the middle, and all of these celestial beings were bowing down. And how many of you are there again? One, two, three. Oh, wow, there's 10. And mom and dad, you know, the sun and moon. And, and at this point, even his dad, who loved him and favored him, was like, hey, Joseph, you probably should get a little more tact around your presentation of dreams, okay? Just, just, just zip it. It says his brothers were jealous of, of him, and his dad just kind of pondered it, and his brothers so hated him that they schemed a plan of how to get them out of their life. And so this one particular day, Joseph, in his finest clothes that, that were special and set apart from his dad, it said it was a coat of many colors, And uh, he was on his way to see his brothers in the fields and just check up on them. Why? Because he was a tattletale. Because the Bible had said just previously that that he brought a bad report about his brothers, got them in trouble. And so his dad just kind of trusted his perspective. He said, Joseph, go check on your brothers. Bring back a report. And so he's on his way there. And then they'd say, well, look, here comes the dreamer. Hey, I got a plan. Why don't we kill him? And there's the mob mentality for you, isn't there? Someone's like, "I, I got this great idea. He's dreaming. Why don't, I, I got a dream too. Him being dead be a great dream. All our dreams could come true right now. And so together, they scheme and devise a plan. They're like, yeah, let's destroy this guy. In fact, one of them, Judah, he comes up with a better idea. He goes, no, 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 instead of killing him, let's actually try to sell him. Have you ever had that? You got that person in your life that anything you ever think of getting rid of, like, you can sell that on Facebook Marketplace. And you're like, it's, a, it's an old spoon. They're like, yeah. But people love those, and really, probably what they're saying is, "I love those. I'll just keep it." And they're like, "Instead of killing, him, let's sell him. It'd be amazing. We could profit off this." And they saw a caravan of people coming, making their way to Egypt. They threw their brother in a well. They came over and they said, would you, would you, "We got a great brother. You're gonna love this guy. A bit of a talker, bit of a dreamer. But you're gonna love him." And they sold him into slavery. We talked last week about, about some of the obstacles that come with favor. Joseph, even though he was favored, he had to overcome an obstacle, this obstacle of being forsaken. Have you ever felt forsaken? Well, jo- Joseph can, can relate. Felt totally forsaken, totally rejected. He, he's sold into slavery and works in the house of a man named Potiphar. In Potiphar's house, he finds himself constantly uh, having uh, the, the tempting situation of Potiphar's wife trying to take him to bed with her. Constantly. The Bible says every day. Every day she, she, was, she was kind of taken by how handsome he was. She's like, hey, me and you, Potiphar's away. And, and he continually resisted this temptation until finally she turns it on him and she goes, this guy tried to rape me. And, and Joseph, even though he's been upright, he's done the right things, Potiphar gets home and he goes, how could you? He's like, I didn't. And he's sent into prison. One of the other obstacles a dreamer will need to face is, is the obstacle of false accusations, people assuming of you. And, and so he, he gets this assumption made about him uh, an assumption, perhaps someone saying, Well, if I was in that situation, this is what I would have done, and so I see it in you. And he, he has this false accusation, finds himself in prison. In prison? The warden sees favor in Joseph. Man, he's, he's, like, he's like, can you just keep your favor? My dad favored me and it got me sold into prison. Potiphar favored me and it got me put in prison. Now, in prison, he, he is favored by the warden so much so that the warden puts him in charge of everything. He interprets the dream for one of Pharaoh's. This is crazy. It'd be a good movie, wouldn't it? Or at least a good true crime podcast. It'd be amazing. And there he is in prison, and he interprets a dream for Pharaoh's servant. And he goes, hey, when you get back, because you're on your way back three days, don't forget me. And the Bible says it was amazing three days later, the servant was back in Pharaoh's presence, and he forgot him. It's one of the other obstacles that, that, that favor brings. Sometimes you're just forgotten. Have you ever felt forgotten? Come on, have you ever felt left out? Have you, have you ever only found out an event because everyone was posting about it, and you're like, thanks for the invite, guys? Well, this was worse than that forgotten because he was left there for another two years in prison. Finally, he makes his way out of prison. He's in the presence of Pharaoh. Pharaoh has a dream. He says, I need someone who can interpret a dream. And in humility, Joseph is called before Pharaoh, the king of the known world. He goes, I hear you interpret dreams. He goes, nah, I don't. God talks to me sometimes, though. I mean, maybe, maybe God can, but, but I can't. And it's like he's got this whole new perspective. Pride has been worked out of his heart. I just want to acknowledge that in the room, sometimes dreams can, can fortify some pride in our heart. But before those dreams can come true, by God's grace, he works that pride out of us. So we talked about that a little bit last week. But, but today I want to look... And something a little bit different, if we could, okay? We're going to look at the life of Joseph again. An incredible story. little spoiler alert. We're going to talk about this more next week. But Joseph's dream actually comes true. Yeah. It's crazy. He was 17 when he had it and shared it with his brothers. Thirteen years later, he finds himself in charge of the entire kingdom of Egypt, and his brothers are in a famine, and they got to come and, and, and find food in Egypt. And so there actually is an encounter where his brothers come before him, and they're like, oh, great and mighty governor. And he's like, whoa, it happened. I just want to say to you, don't lose faith. Don't forget do, do, don't find yourself discouraged in the midst uh, of the things you're facing so much so that you give up on God's dream. If God has placed a dream in your heart and it comes from God, then, then, it, then it's going to happen. We sung about it today. And there would be no other reason. It would be such a weird thing if we came to worship and we're like, here's what we're worshiping, guys. Sometimes, 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 like sometimes, we get God's attention and then he does nice things for us. Sometimes. Throughout, throughout human history, that has actually been one of the predominant thoughts around religion, is that sometimes God, the gods do something good for us. We don't know exactly what the formula is, but we're trying to crack the code. We're trying to hack it and put the system together. We, we don't serve a, a fickle god. We don't come and worship uh, an inconsistent god. He's faithful to all his promises. Now, now one more overarching thought before we dive into the, today's particular angle is that a dream that comes from God is only possible through God, and the end result is for God, and, the, and, and the, the culmination is that glory goes to God. It's from him, through him, for him, and to him. You can find that in Romans chapter 11. God, perfect in knowledge, actually has a dream for your life and my life. He promises in the book of Acts that he would show us through dreams, clarity, and vision. That's what he does. In this time, God is speaking to us. Now, I'm not talking specifically necessarily about nocturnal dreams, although that is one of the ways God speaks to us. I'm not talking specifically about maybe vivid pictures, although that's one way God talks to us. But what I am talking about is God wants to communicate his preferred future for your life, and it's good. I'm telling you, it's good. And if it comes from God, it's only possible through God. And it will be for God, and the glory goes to God. Jesus, speak to us in the next few moments, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're taking uh, notes today, you can write this down on the top of your page. It was all a dream. It was all a dream. Have you ever felt that before? Like you had this idea, and it was so real you could almost taste it. Maybe it was like an entrepreneurial idea. You're like, I got it. This business idea, it's, it's, it's going to work. I know it's going to work. And then as you start putting the pieces together, you're like, nah, it was all a dream. Have you, have you ever had a dream and you were sure in your dream that you were an absolute genius, like you figured something out that you had never been able to figure before, and then you wake up and you're like, now what was it? (laughs) Uh, And then you realize, oh, it was just all a dream. Have you ever had that? Maybe maybe you're creative. You're a a poet or a a songwriter or a, a painter, and you had this idea at night. You're like, oh, man, this beautiful haiku I wrote in my sleep. Now what was it again? And he realized, oh, it was all a dream. I wonder if Joseph, at times, throughout the ups and downs that he faced, if he stopped and went, oh, no, maybe it was all a dream. Maybe it wasn't God's dream. Maybe it was just a dream. Maybe I ate some bad hummus before bed, and it was just a dream, and I blew up my whole future. He you goes, know, like, maybe when his brothers rejected him, he's like, oh, my goodness, I'm so embarrassed. Also, also forsaken, but I'm embarrassed because it was all a dream. You know, for some of us, even, even some of the general overarching universal dreams that God has for our lives, we question. Like, God loves you. He's got a purpose for your life. And at some point, that resonated in your heart until people around you hated you. And you're like, oh, Oh, I'm so embarrassed it was all a dream. That wasn't actually even true. Maybe for some it was like you, you had this clarity of call on your life. You were certain uh, of something that God was going to do in you or through you. And then your first attempt didn't work. And maybe second, third, you're like, oh, I thought I was supposed to be a leader. But, but when I try to lead things, people don't like following me. Maybe it was all a dream. I wanted to, to lead a hub and then I led myself because no one showed on week one. Maybe it was all a dream. I wanted, to, I wanted to be a worshiper and then I got on team and I forgot all the lyrics. Maybe it was just all a dream. I wanted to be an influence in my family, but, but every time I try, it's like they see the worst in me. They remember all my biggest flaws and faults and they rub them in my face and maybe it was just all a dream anyway. That's what is called a test. It's a trial. It's a test of your dream. And I want you to know this today, that every dreamer will undergo tests. Every dream must be tested. Every dream that God gives must be tested. Imagine this story with me, okay? Once upon a time, there was a main character, the protagonist of the story. And everything was great for them. The end. That's, that, that's nobody's best-selling book. That, that's a terrible movie. Why? Because it's, it's, it's beyond fantasy. It's so unbelievable. It's not real. Life is labor. There's work to it. There's pain. There's ups. There's downs. There's the development of character. If God has given you a dream, that dream will be tested. We have to actually put our dreams through that matrix I talked about. Has this come from God? Is this a possible only through God? Like if it's the type of dream you could just make come true because like you, you discipline yourself for a week, that's not God's dream for you. His dream is way bigger beyond what you could fathom, ask for, or imagine. Is it for God? Am I really doing this for God or is this for me? And in the end, is God going to get the glory? Does it all go to God? We need to undergo tests. How many people like tests? really? Any people, any people miss exams? I'm all alone. I literally love tests. I love it. I love the pressure. Throw me right in there. Oh, I love, I loved exam week at college. Whoo, all-nighters, cramming, showing up, trying, you know, you're making sure you got the right pencils. You're going to sit down. You got, I got, got two and a half hours. I'm going to cramp up my hand and make it happen. You know, I was like, man, just put my hand in a cast to drill a hole in it. Got my pencil. I don't want to rely on hand cramps. I love I love being tested. I love being pushed a little bit. Anybody here like doing hard things? Come on, we got a docile group today. Anyone like doing hard things? You're like pushing yourself a little bit, testing yourself just a bit to see what you got, what you're made of. If, if you lift, oh, you know that feeling. If you run, oh, you know that feeling. Maybe maybe if you have like a creative Bent, but you are you struggle to perform, you know that feeling. Or like, if I'm ever gonna get this thing that's in my life out, I gotta I gotta put myself to the test. Tests aren't bad, tests are actually good. Let me prove it to you, okay? Turn to the book of First Peter if you would. First Peter, turn over to First Peter chapter one. I love Peter. Oh, I love what Peter has to bring to the equation. I love that in Peter's book he references Paul and he's like, Sometimes that guy confuses me too. Isn't that awesome? Hey, I feel so free when I read Peter. I'm like, oh, this is the one that, that Jesus is like, you are going to be the first pastor. Like, you're going to lead the church. And he's like, yeah, and then Paul, that guy, wow, he uses big words. <laughs> Check it out. Peter here, first one, okay? Uh, uh, chapter one, I should say, starting in verse three. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth. Can someone say Amen. Yeah. Into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. I want to tell you that part of God's inheritance for you that can never spoil or fade or perish is the dream he has for your life. It's the future that he is bringing you into. Paul in Ephesians says he's seated you in heavenly realms that he might show the incomparable kindness of his mercy to you for eternity. Part of that inheritance is this dream. It says, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power. That is an awesome picture. I don't know about you, I feel like I take some hits sometime, and yet I can rely and know on this, that I am being shielded by God's power until the coming of a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Check this out, verse six. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you have to suffer the grief of all kinds of trials. Do you have that underlined in your Bible? If you don't, can I just suggest? Put a highlighter on that. There will come a time where it's really important for you to know when you're enduring the grief of a trial that that, that God's still with you. Let me read it one more time. In all this you greatly rejoice. How do you find joy in grief? You greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief in the form of many trials. These have come to prove the genuineness of your faith. Your faith is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it's refined by fire. And it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. What Peter is saying here is that you and I are continually going through trials of many kinds. And and they feel painful, but they actually are joyful. They feel maybe crushing, but there's actually joy to be found in them. Why? Because they are proving the faith that we have in a faithful God. They're proving. Now, the word trial actually means a test. It also means proof. If someone were on trial, a lawyer would come stand before them, either a defense lawyer or a prosecuting lawyer, and they would come and they would ask that person questions. And the whole essence of trial is being asked questions. Some of the questions... Are appropriately answered with the with the answer yes, and some of the questions are appropriately answered with the, the answer no. Are you following with me? Like being questioned is not being guilty. And I want you to feel a little bit relieved today that if you've ever felt like you're questioning God's dream for your life, that is not a guilty thing. That's not a sinful thing. You're actually just proving. You're, you're not doubting, you're proving. If you found yourself in that moment where you're like, I wonder if God really does love me, though, because I make a lot of mistakes. Instead of going, oh, now I thought a bad question like that. I'm so guilty. No, no, no. Let that trial put to the test the faith that you've placed in God. The Bible says we'll undergo trials of many kinds. And so I want to suggest today that there are many different things that cause us to ask the question, did God really say? There's many different things that maybe make us ask the question, is this worth it? And whatever those things are, that's a trial. That's a trial. It brings different graded levels of grief with it, but that's what a trial is. And you and I need to learn to count each of those as joyful, to find joy in those trials because we are proving in our own hearts the faithfulness of God. Let me suggest for you... uh, some universal trials that we, we all have to face. Because I think probably if you're like me, you hear we face trials of many kinds, and you're immediately thinking of some of the things you're facing right now. And often the uniqueness of our trials can make us feel like we're alone in this. Instead, let's take a step back and remember that we're all in this thing together because there are some universal trials that we all face. Some hardships that we're all going to have to come up against. Number one, the trial of waiting. The trial of waiting. Waiting. Does anyone really like to Wait. Does anyone really prefer to wait? Like, like I, I like information now. I like results now. I like outcomes now. I like food now. Right? Like, I like, I, I don't prefer to wait. Imagine for Joseph at 17 receiving a dream and, and then waiting, what, what the Bible says was 13 years before he was even brought out of prison, and then another few years before he actually saw the dream come true. He waited in the the cistern, he waited in Potiphar's house, he waited in the prison, he waited in the house of Pharaoh. Let me say it again, he waited in the pit, he waited in 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 the house of Potiphar, he waited in the prison, and he waited even in the palace. So there was some good circumstance, some bad circumstance, but it all felt like waiting. There was favor woven in there. There was fallout woven in there, some ups and downs, but it all felt like waiting. If we are going to see the dream of God come true in our life, we have to endure the trial of waiting. And waiting makes us ask the question, did that really happen? Was I just crazy? Like maybe God doesn't want to use me because I, like He told me that a week ago and I haven't seen any results yet. It's amazing, 13 years of waiting. Then another few years in in maybe relative prosperity still waiting. What are you waiting for? How long have you been waiting? Do you like the feeling? Of course not. But the Bible promises this in the book of Isaiah that those who wait on the Lord will actually find renewed strength. You can actually grow in the waiting period. You can actually grow more convicted, more convinced, prove the genuineness of your faith in the waiting game. As you wait you're growing. I, I always think this, you have to wait anyway, so you might as well put it to good use. I would say, if I look at the whole council of Scripture, that it's more likely that if I don't grow, I'm going to wait longer. Anyone, anyone see that theme throughout Scripture? Like the, the people of Israel waiting in the wilderness, and, and what, what God intended to be a short little trip, they, they made it through like just a few months, and then, then they couldn't learn their lesson, and so it, turned into 40 years. The wilderness wasn't intended to be a place of wandering. It's a place of worship. So worship while you wait. Like change that perspective. You got to wait anyway. You might as well grow. This last week I was in, in Toronto. I was with our Toronto location last Sunday. Loved being there. Being with the team in the midst of, uh, of their own trials and circumstances. Different people calling in last minute. Feeling a little sick under the weather. And we're navigating and growing in that uh, environment. Monday morning, I woke up. I thought, I got a great day planned. I'm meeting with a bunch of people. Then I'm going to head to the airport, fly home. And I woke up to 40 centimeters of snow. Now, I just want to say publicly, once and for all, I don't know what you've heard from Ontario people about BC people. They're like, ah, oh, you guys don't get snow. They don't get it either. I'm just going to be honest. Oh, yeah, you BC people don't know how to drive in snow. They didn't know how to drive in snow either. I walked out, I'm like, I'm going to go get a coffee today. And I had snow kind of up to my knees, and I, I spent my walk to and from coffee pushing people out of ditches, and pushing people out of the ditch that had formed in the middle of an intersection. They don't have snow plows either. It's all a lie, guys. It's all a lie. And so I went, I grabbed, grabbed a coffee, and, and I thought, I, like one by one, the things I was going to do that day just got canceled, because I'm like, oh, nothing's open. And in, in, in the Uber ride from my hotel to the airport, that's usually about $30. Oh, it's surged to $250. Awesome. And an unknown wait time. My favorite. My okay, I'll just jump on a train. I'll find a different way. So I got on the subway. I went six stations. It took 60 minutes. And I was talking to a lady on the train. She's like, I've been on here since 8 a.m. It just keeps going in circles. It never got, gets to my stop. And then they announced something. we're, we're uh, closing the TTC for the rest of the day. And she's going, how am I going to get home? And I, I'm, I'm walking out. I got my bags. I'm on my way to the airport. And, and I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just start walking, I guess. And so I started walking. I walked 20 kilometers in the snow until I found a taxi. And, and so if you know the area, I walked all the way to Etobicoke before I was able to find a taxi. And then it was only $70 more for the last 12 kilometers. I got to the airport to find out that not only had the taxis and trains and subway been closed, but the, the plane had also been canceled. And there was one remaining flight late that evening. This has now been my whole day of waiting. I loved it. <laughs> Woo! Loved it. And, and, and I, I got to the front of the line, and they said, Sir, it wouldn't be worth putting you on that plane because it, it'll probably get canceled too. And I said, You know what? Just put me on the wait list. I'm happy to wait. I lied. I lied. I lied. As it came out of my mouth, I'm like, you liar. You're not happy to wait. You might be willing to wait, but you're not happy about it. I "Man, I just lied. God forgive me. But, but, but I'm, I want to tell you this. As I, I, I walk through it, it causes me to question, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And then the answer comes to yeah, of course, just a little bit of snow. Just a little bit of inconvenience. So I, I got on the plane, boarded the plane. It was only delayed for two more hours on the tarmac. I got home, it was only like 2.30 a.m. It was awesome. But I, honestly, I got into bed that night and thought, oh, worth it. I'm glad I went. i went. glad I got to be with, be with the people. It, it galvanizes the conviction. I don't need things to be easy. It's okay to have to wait. You might feel like you're waiting for, for a dream. And maybe it's a dream that's far more significant than just getting on a plane you were trying to catch. I want, I want to tell you, you have to wait anyway. Let's learn to be happy while we wait. In fact, why don't you say it with me? Say, I'm happy to wait. Happy to wait. Come on, let's say it all together. To One more time like we mean it. I might have just made you lie in church, but we all heard you. We're going to hold you to that. Okay, number two, second trial we all need to face is the trial of words. 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 God speaks to us by, by, by word. He gives us a word. In fact, the Bible says faith, it comes from hearing the word of God. Faith isn't just deciding that the thing you want to happen, you're going to, ooh, I'm going to make it happen by believing. It's not just, I will now declare it with my words, the thing I already wanted to happen. I'll find some other people to agree with me and we'll just say words into the atmosphere and make it happen. Faith, it comes from hearing the word of God. When we step out in faith, we're actually just agreeing with what God has already said. If faith comes from words, but in this world, there are constant streams of thought, words that are bombarding us, and we need to make the choice which ones will we mute and which ones will we turn up? I'm telling you, if we're not careful, we give the same volume to every word, and it's just chaos. And there's no there's no theme, there's no plan, there's no clarity, there's no conviction, because everything has the same volume. Man, we give the same volume to our our, our elementary school bully as we give to our, our, our coworker, as we give to some angry person on a street corner, as we give to some frustrated bus driver, we give them all the same same volume. The Bible says this in in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24 and 35, that heaven and earth might pass away, but my word will never pass away. That's the enduring word of the God. If he's spoken it, it's going to happen. If God has spoken it, he meant it. It wasn't flippant. It wasn't just throwaway content. But we have to endure the words that come against us. Think of Joseph. Here's some of the words he had to hear. He shared his dream. He probably woke up that morning and thought, I had this awesome dream. At breakfast, it's going to happen. He goes, guys, just have an announcement to make. I'm better than you all. So if you could, just bow where you are. Yeah, just do it now. Yeah, right where you are. And then it didn't happen, and he had to endure the trial of waiting because that dream didn't come true in that moment. In fact, he also then had to hear, it says his brothers were jealous and rebuked him. At least they said shut up. At least. Even his dad told him, hey, it down. So he had to endure other people not being excited as his, uh, about his dream the way he was. Have you ever had that? You share a dream, and you, you're like, I picked the wrong audience. Because they just pop the balloon. There's, like, oh, there's no wind left in my sails. And then he had to endure this. Think of this word. Sold. He heard his brothers negotiate a deal for 20 pieces of silver and say, you've got yourself a deal. And then he had to endure the words in Potiphar's house, guilty as charged. And then he had to endure the words in the prison. Like, don't forget me. And he had to endure this, bye. You're know, like, new phone, who Nah, like, The guy who, who gave you confidence in prison. He had to endure words upon words. Almost none of them aligning with what God had said. And he had to weed through and say, like, who am I going to give attention to? I've determined in my life that that I want to give the loudest voice to the people who know me best. I want to give the loudest voice to the people who are nearest to me. But but when it comes down to it, whatever the crowd might say, even whatever those who, who are in your inner circle might say, I want to give God the loudest volume. I want to give God all the votes. You know, if it's a toss-up, you know, God loves me, everyone else hates me, I guess. It, no, it's not a toss-up. God gets all the votes. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live like I'm loved. I'm going to live with the confidence that comes with, with what God has said to me. We all have to endure the trial of waiting. We all have to endure the trial of words. Perhaps you've got some negative words that have been spoken off your, over your life that you need to dislodge, that you need to get rid of. Maybe you've had someone speak. Uh, defeat over your life, and you just simply need to bathe your mind in the Word of God. Get in God's Word and allow Him to rewire your thinking. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 12 that our life is transformed as our mind is renewed. We all have to endure the trial of words. Number three, let me give you another one. The, the, the trial of work. Work. Imagine this. One of the outcomes of the favor Joseph received is he constantly had to work. His dad's like, Joseph, I really like you. Like, you're my favorite boy. And I like you, so I want want all the other boys to know. You're you're my guy. And so I have special jobs for you. I'm going to ask you to be my go-between and to oversee the things that matter to me. He gave him a responsibility. And then in Potiphar's house, he's like, Joseph, I really like you, man. I trust you. I'm going to put you in charge of my whole house. I'm just going to go chill. I'm not gonna do work anymore. All my work is your work because I love you, kid. And then he found himself in prison. An easy time just say, I'm done. Like I got nowhere else to be. I might as well just throw my throw my feet up. And the warden said, Man, there's something special about you, Joseph. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in charge of the entire prison. You still have to live in your cell, of course, but but in addition to your sentence, you also have responsibility. You gotta work. And then then he comes before Pharaoh. Look what it says in Genesis uh, 41, 41. Turn there real quick if you could. Genesis 41 and 41. It says this. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring and he put it on his finger. Go down to verse 44. He says, I'm Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all of Egypt. Talk about responsibility. Work. Now, for some of us, we've had this terrible thinking about effort. We've got a bad theology of labor. We've got a bad doctrine around toil. So work, we automatically assume, well, I must be doing something wrong. Because God's dream should be the easy way. It should be an easy path, right? Wrong. Wrong. One of the ways that God shows his favor on us is giving us responsibility, giving us work to do. You show me someone in Scripture who God called and then said, I don't need anything, just sit. Like everyone, it was, I'm calling you, now let's do this. I'm calling you, now do the work. I'm calling you, to stand up and get ready. I'm calling you, now Now do the things I've called you. I'm calling you, now go to that place and share a word. I'm calling you, now lead the people. I'm calling you, now serve the people. I'm calling you, now pastor the Wow, work, work. We need a better theology around work. Look what it says in the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I'm getting pretty passionate about this. I am aware of the time, so I'm going to go quick, okay? Colossians chapter 3. Are you still with me today? Colossians chapter 3, check this out, verse 23. It says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for your human master, since you know that you will receive an inheritance. Oh, there's that word inheritance again. That dream. You will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord you are serving. <sighs> I have a dream for significance, but I'm doing a job I don't like. Yeah, it's the, la- it's the trial of work. Work makes you question, is it worth it? When, when Jennifer and I first got married, we were 19 years old. And uh, we had no money. Like, no money none. And we were in Bible school together. And I had this very clear conviction in my heart. We're going to be married. I'm going to finish school. I'm going to have no debt when I get out of school. I will not take a penny. I'm not going to take I I don't need no government, nothing. I don't want to, want to have to say no to a job or an opportunity because I got debt. It was a conviction that I had that I, I'm convinced came from the Lord. And so there we were, we, we had paid for our wedding. We were paying for our education. And how did we do it? We worked hard. In fact, the, the summer months, I worked about 60 to 70 hours in the, in the beating sun. I worked myself literally to the bone. I had about a three-and-a-half-week period where I couldn't feel my hands. Like, literally, my hands went numb. And I kept waking up every day and working construction with hands that had no feeling in them, thinking, I wonder what kind of damage I've, I've done. And then I would get a paycheck and go, is this worth it? It it caused me constantly, every morning when the, the alarm clock went off. And I thought, no, it's already 4.30. How can it be? I was asking myself the question. Work was asking me the question, is this worth it? And resoundingly, the answer was yes. This is so worth it. This is so worth it. This is so, I'm telling you, work. I, of all of the trials I want to say, I like, I like this one. I'm going to work it. And as I put my, my hand to work, I am proving the conviction of the faith that I have in God's dream. Come on, the trial of work. Some of us are looking for the easiest job. Well, if I'm really God's person He really got a dream for my life, why doesn't he just make it easy? In fact, we, we, we say things like this, like, if God wants it to happen, he'll go before me and make it happen. Well, Jesus said this, knock, and the door will be opened unto you. There's work involved. Now, I'm not saying it's by works, because then we could boast. If we got saved because we worked for it, we would get, get to our head. It's not by works, but we were saved for works. We were saved, Ephesians 2.10 says, for work that God prepared in advance for us to do. So, so, so do the work do it with a happy heart. Come on, do the work. Looking for the easiest way to get from here to there. No, no, do the work. Can someone say, I'm going to do the work. Come on, say, I'm going to do the work. It's one of the trials that we face and you can count it as joy. Number four, here's another trial for you. The trial of wins and losses. Wins and losses. Keeping a record, keeping a count. Imagine Joseph, he was like, I had this dream at 17 and everything's gone bad since then. Just loss after loss after loss after loss. Have you ever heard the saying, you're only as good as your record? Yeah. It, it's kind of true of a sports team. <laughs> I love when, when, when the, the ardent fans of a sports team are like, yeah, but we should have won. But you didn't. Yeah. yeah, we were a way better team, you know. But you weren't. Yeah. You're kind of as good as your record in the end. How well can you execute on that day? But, but when it comes to the dream, that God has for your life, our victory is not linked to our own wins and losses. In fact, the Bible says, while we were sinners and the enemies of God, Christ died for us. And it says this, look at, look at this, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. It says, we praise God for the victory that comes in Jesus. We win because he won. Like the only, the only competition that matters in, in, in keeping us from our dreams was the competition of Jesus versus sin. And he won. And not only did he defeat sin, he also defeated death. And not only that, that same passage in First Corinthians says, he took our sin and he made a public spectacle of it. It's like he ran up the score on sin. He ran up, he, he wasn't being a gentleman about it. He was like, I'll just take a knee here. And let, no, no, he's like, I'm going to run it down your throat. I'm putting up the score. Check the scoreboard. And whenever the accuser of your soul, the devil, comes in and goes, yeah, but that person, you see what they thought? He's like, hey, devil, scoreboard. I've defeated you completely. I made a spectacle of you. Do you want to talk about wins and losses? I'm telling you, we feel the disappointment like, oh, I lost another job. Oh, my God. God said I'm going to be successful. I just keep losing jobs. Oh, I'm single again. Oh, my goodness. Another loss. The only competition that matters was Jesus versus sin and death. And he won, and he was incredibly victorious. And because he wins, we win. We win. So when you go through, by the way, wins sometimes test our, our conviction more than losses. <sighs> I put up a few wins there. People are starting to like me. And we forget and we kind of drift away. Like, let, let's win this trial, okay? Let's allow this trial to galvanize us. How is it that I'm at the beginning of a month and I, I already ran through my paycheck again? Feels like a loss. Come on, let, it, let that draw you near to God. Those, let us draw near to God. He's our victor. He is the, the finisher of our faith. He's victorious. As Jack and Kobe come, let me, let me show you the, the, the fifth. I believe the fifth universal trial we all to, need to face. It's the trial of wounds and weakness. Wounds and weakness. Maybe weakness was exposed in the waiting. Maybe a wound was developed because of the words we faced. Maybe we grow weary in doing the right thing. That work thing just kind of got to us. Maybe we feel wounded by the, the record that we bring. Keep on trying to live sober. Keep on trying to make good choices and another loss. Whatever that might be. Wounds and weaknesses. Imagine. I, I, I don't want to read uh, eisegetically into Scripture and say, look at all that Joseph. went, But... But for real, though, stripped naked and thrown into a pit by his brothers, sold into slavery, stripped naked again by his boss's wife. This guy was stripped naked a lot. And publicly accused and talked about, like, that's the guy who tried to take advantage of someone. And then thrown in prison and then forgotten, and then brought out of prison and worked. Do you know what? In this story, no less than eight times, it talks about Joseph weeping. He he felt emotion in this. It's easy sometimes to look at a scriptural character and think, yeah, but, you know, it all worked out in the end. He actually had to live it in real time. I actually, not even just scriptural characters, like real life people that you talk to day to day, it's easy to look at their stories and say, yeah, but it's going to work out. They're living it right now. Real time. Weakness. Wounds. I'm telling you, there's there's a trial that comes in walking with a limp. And every step you take, you're going, is it worth it? Is it worth it? There's a trial that comes in and acquiring some scars in life. And every time you come up against that scar, going, oh, yeah, that. Yeah, is this still worth it? Let's not run away from those questions. Let's allow them to prove the genuineness of our faith and the inheritance of this dream God has given us. He's got greatness in store for your life. But I'm weak. I'm weak, though. Well, 1 Corinthians 2 Corinthians I should say chapter 12 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 check it out it's on the screen right now This is Paul talking he knew he had a dream from God to to lead the known world to Christ to be a witness to the the people uh, of the Gentiles. He was called to be an apostle that would change the world. He knew he had scripture in his heart. He knew what he was writing would endure and would matter. And he says this, speaking of his own weakness, he says to God, I got this weakness, I keep on coming up against it, this wound that I can't seem to heal from. And God says this, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul concludes, therefore, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. I'm telling you, it's in our weakness that we learn how strong God is. It's, it's when we kind of lose it that we learn how strong God is. It's when we come to the end of ourselves that God begins. I, I really believe that, that God just sort of holds back until we're ready to admit we need him. Scripture would say the same, that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And until we're willingly humble in our weakness, God's like, oh, you'll, you go for it, champ. You seem to have a plan on how you're going to make my dream for your life come true. Go for it. I, I, I see continually the humility that Joseph must come to in the pit and in the prison and going, oh, I can't do this. I'm weak. The other day, I was uh, I was leaving Gwyneth School. I uh, we just had her, her basketball practice. We're preparing for a season. We don't know if it's going to happen, but we're going to practice. We're ready. And, uh, and so we, we, we had just played basketball, and I was on, on my way out of the school, seeing my other kids. We're high-fiving in the halls. And I, I got up, up the front of the school, and there was a, a, a dad with his son. His son would have been about six or seven. And he said, all right, buddy, time to go to school. And the kid said, no. And he said, fine then, we're going home. And the kid said no. He goes, well, then you better go into school. And the kid said no, I don't want to. And he goes, well, then we're going home, and we're going home right now. And he said, but, ah, but Dad, I don't want to. He said, well, then, don't make me do that. You need to go into school. And he goes, but Dad, I don't want to. He said, okay, then we're going. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And then he said, I'm not coming with you. He said, well, then I'm going to take you. He picked him up, and he said, no, I don't want to. Okay, then you need to go to school then. And, and I, it, was, it was so entertaining. I watched for seven minutes. If I didn't have a meeting to get to, I would have watched till the conclusion. It hadn't ended. It was back and forth drama. And, and I felt compassion for the dad. That's a frustrating thing. But I actually felt more compassion for the kid because he was having a tantrum. He was, he was expressing the weakness of his emotion, the, the confusion of his logic. I don't want to do anything. And his dad, in that particular moment, I'm sure he's a great dad, but in that particular moment, he was lowering his level to the emotion of his child. And in his son's weakness, dad was proving to be weak too. Well, fine then. What do you want to do? He tried all the methods. I'm counting. one, two. Two and a half, he tried them all. I'm sure there was negotiations going on there. In the end, the kid's probably going to get a Nintendo Switch. I don't know. (laughs) Negotiation, tactic. I don't know where they ended up. But in that moment, I just felt so blessed by God that when I've tantrumed, he's been consistent. That when I've exposed my weakness, I don't want to. God's like, we're going to do this. That he's just been incredibly consistent through my life. That God is incredibly faithful. That's what it looks like that in our weakness, He's proven strong. But I can't. You can do all things through Christ, who gives you strength. Right? But I'm defeated. No, no, you're pressed, but you're not crushed. You might be struck down, you're not destroyed. Let's get back up. It's the faithfulness and the strength of God. We all got to walk through some trials. Let's learn to count them as joy. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for this group of people, these men and women, your sons, your daughters, loved, chosen, called, set apart for greatness. I ask right now, God, for everyone in this place that as we endure trials of many types, that you would help us to count them joy, that you'd give us insight on how to see things the way you see them. I don't want to speak over grief. Grief is real, the pain is real, but in the pain you are proving the genuineness of the faith we have in the inheritance that you promised. And so as we ask the questions, we come continually to the answer, yeah, it's worth it. May, may these trials continually bring us to the same conclusion, it's worth it. There's no other place I'd rather be. There's no other place I'd rather be than obeying and following. Cross the room with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. If you're here today and you don't uh, have your life surrendered to God, if he's not the Lord of your life, I don't don't know how you do it. Quite honestly, I don't know how how you're going to make it through the the pain of life. Walking with Jesus is not a promise there'll be no pain. It's a promise that he'll never leave us. And it, it begins with developing, beginning a relationship with him. It's very simple. You can pray a prayer. I'm going to pray it, and if if you want to join your faith with me where you are, you can make this your prayer. Now, many in the room, you would be living surrendered to God, and you know that it's his grace that's seen you through. So I'm going to ask you if you would join us as we pray this. There's some people who may be making this decision today for the first time. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for calling me. I believe that your grace is bigger than my sin So today I repent and I receive your love and forgiveness in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.